Warning, this podcast contains words. Listen at your own risk. I'm Wild Rose, and you're listening to An American Weekend. Today, I'm inter- interviewing Miss Fiona Zerubica, and I'd like to um, ask you a few questions about what it was like living in Serbia. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So, how long did you live in Serbia? Six years. Um, where in Serbia did you live? I lived in Belgrade, in a section of Belgrade known as Dorchel, which is the old, probably one of the oldest neighborhoods in Belgrade, and it's um, adjacent to that very famous fortress called Kalamignan. Hmm. So what, what was it like living in Serbia? Well, it was a lot different than America. You know, there were a lot of, um, uh, the values were different in the sense of what you, people expected out of their daily lives and experiences, and in some ways they were a lot more human scale and in other ways they were very very difficult so there were a lot of economic pressures there but the people still found a way to um, take take joy into every day and to um, make the best of what they had and to work with the situations they found themselves in which was very inspiring because I think a lot of Westerners would have probably given up and run off if they had had to deal with some of the pressures that came upon the Serbian people over the last uh, several years. What did you like most about living in Serbia? Well, it was quite beautiful, uh, especially out in the countryside. Uh, I loved traveling around and visiting uh, various towns and monasteries and monuments and old Roman forts and various things like that. But I also enjoyed the lifestyle. It was it was more human scale. People had a good work-life balance, and um, it was hard though too because, the, as I said, the economy was not so easy on people. But they still found a way to get to create a, a good life for themselves within that situation. I also really appreciated the food, and um, I also appreciated sort of the, the 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 cultural values, the celebrations of Slavas, the way um, people socialized a lot more than we do in America. They were a, a lot. The community sense was very strong, and one of the things that was fun, and also this could be uh, tricky. Uh, there were very few taboos, so in a lot of ways you could be yourself more easily, but also in a lot of ways um, there were no controls around that, so you had to, so people could also get lost in that. So it was a kind of funny thing. In America we're a lot, we have a lot more guardrails around us, but in Serbia you really have to sort of define your own set of guardrails. Could you be more specific? So like how, in what ways was it different from America? Because America doesn't really have its own culture. They just go off of whatever's popular, I guess. Um, So like, was there much dancing? Did people get together a lot? Well, you know, I have to disagree with you about America. I think we do have a culture. We really do. And I think it's a very profound culture. It's... um, it's very, the American spirit is very specific and the American outlook is very specific. One of the things about America, which is unique, is that uh, we are very willing to own our mistakes and try again. When we fall down, we get back up. When we're off that horse, we get back on that horse. We always look at failure as an opportunity to stand up, try again, and do better. Okay. In overall, I would say in Eastern Europe, and I don't mean Serbia specifically, but in Eastern Europe and also Western Europe, 
the attitude is very different. They don't have that same can-do spirit. Americans have can-do spirit. I can do it if I want to do it. I can be anything I want to be. But when you talk about Europe and also Serbia, there's a there's a um, a built-in limiting beliefs that tell them that they can't rise above the station to which they were born. So there's a lot of um, struggle there in their culture where people don't think of themselves as people who can do things, people who can choose a path in their life and succeed. People don't wake up in the morning and say, I could be president, for example. They say, my father is, um, you know, my father is a janitor, so the most I can hope for would be it, to be someone at that same um, economic level. Mm. And that is just, we all know that that's not true. And you know why we know it? Because we're Americans. But you know, when you talk to a lot of Europeans, when you talk to Eastern Europeans, they've been told they can't rise, they can't get move forward, they can't expand. But we all know that this is not true. And now what's really interesting is that the new Serbian youth is waking up and going, yes, actually, I can become what I want. I can fulfill my dreams. Communism killed all of that for so many years. You didn't get to decide. It was decided for you. And so there's a whole generation that truly believe that they didn't have a choice in their lives. They didn't have a choice to do better. They didn't have a choice to be born poor and end up rich. That wasn't a choice, right? So that's something Americans have that is America's gift to the world. And one of the things that's wonderful now in Serbia is to watch the young generation step out of the old paradigm of communism, of limitation, of you can't rise above your station, caste systeming. You know, there's a lot of yeah. caste systeming. And to go, wait a minute, that caste doesn't mean anything, and they're willing now to throw it away. So I'm really excited about the new generation of Serbia that is not oppressed with the limitations and the limiting beliefs that they can't rise above where they came from, that they can't go from poor to rich, that they can't go from um, have not to have. Hmm. Now this new generation is realizing, actually, I, I could become president if I want to, even though I was born to a poor farmer, yeah. you know? And a lot of the, so, so a lot of them are beginning to wake up and realize that they are self-empowered. And that's something that America gave the world. Hmm. We are the culture that gave the world that. So we need to be proud of both. And we need to give that gift and help people to also realize that they have limitless potential. Hmm. And that's when I was working in Serbia, that's what I taught my students. You are unlimited, you decide. It's your life, do what you want with it. And they were so excited by that. And so many of my former students now have gone on to do really amazing things and have expanded their horizons and are doing much more than they were doing when I first met them. So were you a teacher while you were there? Was well, actually I was teaching, I was presenting programs on museum collections management. I was helping um, potential people who wanted to go into the museum work as well as existing professionals. I was helping them learn the, uh, the, the skills associated with collections management, which means managing um, cultural collections. Uh, and so uh, I was bringing them up to speed on contemporary methodologies, um, para, para conservative approaches on how to take care of collections. 
So not only did I work with them on why do we collect things? What is the importance of collecting? Is it just because it's old? Should you just save it? Or is it because it matters? Why does it matter and who does it matter to? And then I also taught them the nuts and bolts of taking care of a collection. How do you handle an object? How do you move an object? How do you store an object without damaging it, right? Yeah. And also, how do you identify problems that need to go to a conservator? And then I was teaching them, once you know all that, now you need to put it on display and you need to change your displays all the time to keep the public engaged. So how do you engage the public? How do you bring in tourism? How do you um, build revenue for your institution? Building revenue was never an issue in communism. They just got money from the state, so they didn't really have to put their back into it so much. It was like, yeah. But also they were depressed and sad because it was boring. Yeah. But now, now that they actually have to make a living to keep the door open, everybody's kind of getting excited and coming up with creative ideas. And, and so I was teaching them the techniques to realize those ideas. Yeah. yeah. It's very cool. So what is your favorite area? Like, what was your favorite area to visit in Serbia? towns or villages or you know I, I that's like picking a favorite child I don't think I can really <laughs> say I really really love Belgrade of course I loved Novi Sad um gosh I loved Kragujevac I loved um um oh goodness I'm trying to I don't know I can't pick a favorite uh, my favorite area is Serbia. I really loved visiting some of the monasteries. Um, I, I really enjoyed going to Stedenica, which was very beautiful and lovely. It was just all around. I, every part of Serbia is a little bit different, yeah. you know? And so in, you have a very different um, uh, weather and different conditions and different populations, depending on whether you're in the north or the south. So, but they were all unique and special. And wonderful in their own way but I my family's actually Montenegrin so I think my favorite place to visit was uh, my my family's uh, area which was called um, Provaye which was a little valley which only has my family in it nobody else hmm. right next to Dormitur which is also adjacent to a town called Jabiak hmm. in Montenegro hmm. yeah so in the Serbian like towns and villages, do they use any of the like modern building now, or are a lot of them still like the older buildings? Well, the it's sort of a mix. Now you have to understand things are in flux in Serbia right now, in in the region in general. So let's just say the former Yugoslavia in general, okay? Mm -hmm. um, which it was inclusive of Montenegro and Serbia and Croatia, etc. Um, the there are towns that have modern buildings, and a lot of those modern buildings were from the communist era. Um, if you're going to towns like Belgrade, which are much older, then you have pre then you have the pre-communist buildings. So you have Austro-Hungarian Empire era buildings, and you have so you have pre pre-Tito, shall we say, um, after World War II, when communism came in, there was a great affection for the Russian style. Uh, not, I don't mean the um, em empire, I mean um, the style of communism, so that they, they had something brutalist architecture came into being and they had a lot of those block buildings that were, that now people, you know, make fun of because they're like big cement blocks. And yeah. so they're kind of not that attractive, but they're very emblematic of an era and of, um, of an approach. Yeah. Um, but 
and the, and those and those buildings are still um, alive and well, and people use them. But in some of the smaller villages, you have all the old, original, original structures that were built from natural materials, from wood, from clay, from stone, from you know thatch, and those those villages are absolutely gorgeous but the really funny thing is they're absolutely abandoned oh. because uh, and as i say remember i said we're in flux right now so that during the 20 when communism during the 20th century and then when communism went away the young people were very attracted to come into the cities because they wanted to be a part of modern culture yeah. they wanted cell phones and nike and you know, look, and uh, Coca-Cola, and they wanted, you know, they wanted yeah. to be a part of, they wanted to be a part of contemporary culture. So they abandoned their farmsteads. Hmm. And this is where the old houses are. They're in these old villages where people were farming and were living much more um, um, non-mechanistic -me non lives. You know, they yeah. weren't, they weren't, they were not supported by technology. They were supported by um, their traditional techniques of living. And so a lot of the youth abandoned their parents and moved into the cities and a lot of the parents died off and those structures are still out there. If you go to Northern Serbia near the border of Romania, you'll see village upon village like this gorgeous, gorgeous, you know, mm. with maybe one person living in the whole village, you know, with their animals and they, and they still grow food. Um, but now, and the same thing's happening in Italy, for example, right now the youth suddenly is, now that they've had plenty of time to enjoy all the modern luxuries, yeah. they can't find jobs, they can't make a good living, they're living below the poverty level, yeah. they're living in dirty cities, and they're looking around going, huh, and now, slowly, slowly, they're going, no, this is nonsense, and they're moving back to their villages and resurrecting their farms, and they're beginning to, to learn the old ways again of how to, how to live um, off-grid, off the land, and so I think that fascination with contemporary culture wore itself out. It wore out its welcome, and so now the youth is beginning to go, this isn't so great. Why are we here? This isn't so yeah. great. And now they're going back, and they're, so there's a little bit of a renaissance occurring, but it's very slow. It's very slow. Yeah. So we had this whole period where they were all abandoned, the old style, and now we have a, now we have a period where they're coming back. But the other cities that you talk about, where they have the communist buildings, those were always kind of moderately inhabited, like in Novi Pazar and different places like that. But um, if you go into the really old cities like Novi Sad and Belgrade, then you're going to see um, really old, beautiful buildings, you know, beautiful old architecture. And those were always, you know, creating yeah. the crop and people always lived in those. So. Yeah. So, um... How much of the population would you say are Orthodox Christians? Well, you know, there are actual numbers for that, and I wasn't um, prepared to bring you those numbers. Yeah. So I think I w I'm going to defer that one because I don't want to misquote it. Yeah. But I would say that there is, especially depending where you are. So yeah. if you're in Novi Pazar, for example, which is in the south, you have a very large Muslim population. Mm. Whereas if you go more to the north, you have a very... Um, strong orthodox much more strong orthodox population so i have one final question did i well did i finish that one properly yeah I think so basically so basically i would say that um depending on the what border you're next to yeah 
you're going to have different um, groups um, that are, for example, if you're nearer to Bosnia and Herzegovina, you're going to have more Muslim people yeah. around because there's a big Muslim population there. Yeah. Um, if you're closer to Croatia, you're going to have more of a Catholic population trickling in and around. Mm -hmm. And if you're um, more toward the north, near Romania, you're probably going to, well, the, you, there's Catholic there too, but you're going to have more Orthodox people. Yeah. Belgrade is strongly Orthodox. Yeah. yeah. So what was the name of the Orthodox church you attended? Did you attend one there? Um, I attended many. I, I attended many. I attended the Saborna Circa, which is the um, which is the uh, patriarchate, uh, sometimes on Sundays. And I also went to lovely church in Vishnitsa, and I also spent some time in Kragujevac with Bishop Jovan, where I visited with them at, at his parish. So there were a lot of different churches that I attended. I was singing. I'm a Orthodox cantor. So I was often invited to sing in different churches. So I think I visited many, many, many ones. So I couldn't pick one out specifically. Yeah. yeah. And are most of the services there in um, Serbian or English? The services there, it's a, sort of a mix depending on the priest. I would say that if you were going, I would say that in very traditional parishes, everything's in Slavonic, which is, okay. which is like old Serbian. Yeah. Okay, so starting over, I would say that it's a mixture, uh, mostly, if it's a very traditional church, they're going to be doing everything in Slavonic, so not only will the priest be intoning the prayers in Slavonic, but the, the choir will be responding in Slavonic. But if you go to a church where the priest is a little more edgy, he might do it in modern Serbian, but the choir still responds in Slavonic because... That's mostly the music that they learned, like yeah. the the, compo the compositions of the um, of the Serbian um, of the Serbian composers were mostly in Slavonic. So very few things have been transitioned into modern day Serbian. Yeah. But sometimes the priest will do the prayers in Serbian. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's it for now, and. Maybe if you want, we could do another interview sometime. Yeah, there's a lot more stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah. But thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you um, letting me interview you. It was good to hear your input. It was so. my pleasure. And I'm really excited to talk to you because so few people uh, are interested by um, parts of the world that they haven't seen before or that are very, they're not discussed very often in Eastern Europe often is sort of overlooked in that way. For example, we just had a beautiful interview with um, President Putin where he gave the, his, the historical perspective on Russia. And I think most Americans haven't heard that. So for you to do the same thing about Serbia is really great to help people understand what a rich, amazing culture it is and how um, there are no easy answers. There's no black and white solutions. Everything's very subtle and complicated, but beautiful and filled with love and hope and strength. They're very strong people, and I'm very proud to be a part of that community. So thank you. Yeah. Well, that is all for today, and I hope to interview you again. I look forward to it. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to An American Weekend. Don't forget to check out my Patreon page, the link to which is in the description below. It would be very much appreciated if you subscribe to that as well to help support this podcast. Thank you very much, and hopefully I shall have some exciting news soon.